Hey nerds, this is Megan coming at you with another Cantina conversation. Today's episode features a chat with very funny uh, gentlemen, Jason Chatfield and Scott Dooley. They're um, Australian comedians, Scott cartoonist, and we are talking about their upcoming book, You're Not a Real Parent Until, that is released on June 13th. Um, this was one of my favorite conversations that I've had probably since I started doing these episodes. It, they're they're both very funny and yeah, neither of them have kids, but they did their due diligence and they I think that they really developed and created something um, awesome and, and just really fun and reassuring, as I'll say many times in the conversation. It is a long conversation, but it's full of laughs full of <laughs> insights and um, a couple of revelations here and there, but I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Jason Chatfield and Scott Dooley. Okay, today we've got Scott Dooley and Jason Chatfield. We're talking about their upcoming book, You're Not a Real Parent Until, and it comes out on June 13th. Scott and Jason, thank you guys so much for taking the time today to chat with us. I've, you know, easily I finished this book in about a day and it was lovely and charming and reassuring. So um, thanks for, I'm excited to to meet up and, and, you know, get to know how it all came about. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, it's been quite a journey. Yeah, I can't wait to hear all about it. So um, to get started, can you guys, uh, one of you give like a summary of the book so people can follow along with the conversation? Scott, I'll give you the first stab at this one. <laughs> so it's a collection of observations about being a parent. Uh, so Jason and I do cartoons for The New Yorker amongst other publications. So we were kind of tossing around a few ideas. Jason had a stand-up bit um, about what it is. I don't know if it's to say you're in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. You're quite parochial there. Like, particularly as a foreigner, like, I've noticed, like, anyone I've spoken to, if you speak to someone from Boston or Chicago and you complain about the temperature, they'll be like, oh, you don't know what it's like in Chicago. (laughs) And we found found that Jason had this bit that he was doing in stand-up about when he first moved to New York and people were like, oh, you're not a real New Yorker until. And there was, there were all these kind of, like, weird and wacky things that were happening. So we started kind of tossing around ideas about like doing a book, like you're not a real New Yorker. And then we realized, well, it can be a whole bunch of other stuff. And we're kind of at the age where friends are having kids and stuff like that. And we're noticing like weird, just the relationship (laughs) that very posh people had with bodily fluids has changed dramatically. (laughs) So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started. So we've got parent, Golfer, New Yorker, and uh, dog, 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 dog coming out in the next kind of um, just until Jason <laughs> recovers from carpal tunnel because he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you say that because whenever I traveled abroad, like in Europe mostly, um, and people ask, like, where are you from? And I say, well, from like Chicago. That's like one of the first things they say is like, oh my God, it's so cold over there. Like, see the videos <laughs> of your winters and like people dumping out boiled water and the ice cold temperatures and it's yeah and I'm yeah and I've lived here all my life so it's kind of like I don't know we're just prepared for it but it's funny to see like my family members from like the west coast like um southern California they're like I want to like just go see it just to go see how it is (laughs) I'm like and I'll send them pictures of like you know a random Wednesday and just be like be ready yet like where it's like had just fresh snowed and i'm like brushing off my car but yeah it's it's so true like 
even when I'm abroad and people ask me, it's like, I don't even like try to jump at that, but that is like the one thing that's like really common that people will be like, Oh, Chicago. Like, let me ask you from Chicago, who do you get more? Oh, you're from Chicago. Do you hear Michael Jordan, Oprah or Kanye? Which one is the most common? Um, I would say Michael Jordan, but maybe it depends on like, I don't know. <laughs> Otherwise, well, maybe recently because Kanye's been kind of like yeah. dealing with his stuff. <laughs> He's been, un- <laughs> you know, kind of unapologetically wow. in the hot headlines there. So I guess maybe it depends on like who's relevant. But um, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, just my childhood growing up like in the 90s, like I was born oh, in 87. Yeah. And so growing up in the 90s, that was like that like hot time. And I remember it was such a big deal. And like of course just with my parents and like my dad mostly it was just like you know bulls merchandise like it was just right. a hot time yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so that was just, I had all those that's just well. a very like yeah. obvious point or like a very um substantial like memory from and that yeah, stuff kind of kicks around for it. Like no one's got a big foam finger with Oprah written on it. You know, no, right. like, that's not- <laughs> I mean, I, when I grew up in Perth in Western Australia and every one of my friends and me all had the Jordan 23, the red Chicago Bulls basketball jerseys. And, and we were as far as it gets from Chicago. Yeah. You put a pin in the earth and it comes out at the yeah. other end from Chicago <laughs> to Perth. And we still knew what Chicago was, where it, like vaguely where it was. And those things that people know about a place or a thing, those kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of stuff, that, let's be honest, sometimes it shows up in like a tourist gift shop. You know, sure, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> anything about New York that, that is renowned is probably in a Times Square gift shop. So like the, the, the bit that Scott was talking about, that you're not a real New Yorker until – there's just so many of them and everyone has such specific ones. Yeah. They're so specific to them instead of it just being this broad brush sort of like, you know, the, the way people associate certain cities with certain things. It's like, oh, this is like a really specific one, but they're like, oh, that's a rite of passage. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing I noticed when I first, so I've been in New York for a decade now. And the thing that I found, and it still strikes me is the, the way in which, New Yorkers will gleefully reminisce about street crime. Like, like, they, and, and like, and that a place no longer being dangerous means it's kind of shit now. Like, they go, oh, you used to not be able to walk down there, but now look at it. It's got a Ponzi wine bar. Like- yeah. That, that was the, the neighborhood I used to live in in Alphabet City in the East Village. It was just nothing but crime. You wouldn't go past Avenue A without a knife for decades. And all of a sudden, wine bars and bookshops yeah. started to open up, and everyone's like, "Oh, this place is done. Yeah. It's over." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've got to walk three blocks for heroin now. This place is yeah. gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. How, yeah, like you, you wouldn't know, like, oh, back in my day, you don't even know. Yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> people, does- there's a real sense of identity about it, though. You know, like people really take a very like their time at that place is the time like they define themselves they're very like their identity is tethered to it it's interesting yeah it is i guess when it just like kind of sticks out to you i guess like one of the things that people say like chicago and say we're like oh rite of passage is is like a shot of malort and i don't know if you're familiar with that <laughs> it's disgusting that? <laughs> malort it's like liquor made from wormwood i don't even know it's disgusting it's nasty but a Chicago handshake is, I think, is a Pabst Blue Ribbon and a shot of Malort. 
Yeah. And like, if you go to like any like local bar, like, you know, just a neighborhood, whatever local place, they, you ask for that. And nine times out of 10, they'll be like, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> or I, some places they love it. And then I'm like, I don't understand. It's nasty. It's disgusting. It but I guess if you feel like you want to check that off, like your to-do list, fine. It's like a, it's almost <laughs> like a hazing, really. It's less of a, a to-do list than more of like a, a grown up. Yeah. yeah like if I, you're over, if you're over 30, I don't know. Like I yeah. just, <laughs> a buddy of mine was living there for a long time. He was a comedian. He was working at, he was at second city in the IO and, and the um, annoyance. And, and he was, he would go, we would go to this bar after shows every night and it had all these politicians painted on the walls, but like they were naked. It was weird. Um, <laughs> and it was like this famous old dive bar in old town um, with like this old jukebox. And that's where I had that disgusting liquid that I'll never forget. Yeah. It's like a grappa or something, you know, it's, it's like you, you try it and you're like, why does anyone, can I, I, can I, I don't understand. Can, Trust me. I'm been here all my life and I don't get it. Can I point out, this is very rich talk from two people <laughs> whose culture gave us Vegemite. Like, we're like, oh, you disgusting American. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just going to go and eat some uh, yeast extract. I'll be right <laughs> I know, I kind of want to explore your guys' background a little bit. Because um, you're both from Australia, but then you both met through your work. Like how, you know, you could go one at a yeah. time, obviously, but... How, you know, what are your background, like, what did your professional career kind of like lead up to, like, what led up to the collaboration and all, and all this good stuff, you know? Um, well, Scott and I both met because we were doing stand up comedy in New York and, um, we hadn't actually really crossed paths in Australia. I grew up in Perth. I was doing stand up in Perth and I moved to Melbourne, um, which is sort of the second biggest city in Australia and, and they mm-hmm. have a big comedy festival every year and, I lived there for about six years, did comedy pretty much full time there as, as much as one can. Um, and, you know, toured and did festivals and stuff. And Scott was in Sydney uh, at the time that I was in Melbourne. So we never, there were, there were only. Yeah, are they on like the opposite yeah. sides of the country or just like very different corners? They're or? just very, like they're only an hour apart, but okay. culturally it's the difference between New York and LA. I think. Okay. Um, they're just different kinds of cities, you know, and, sure. and they have a, a different kind of scene, I think, comedy wise. So by the time Scott and I both had moved to New York and this is like 2013, 14, um, we were doing the same kind of gigs and spots and stuff. But again, we always kept sort of missing each other ships in the night until I think we ended up living in the same neighborhood and bumping into each other at random times of the night or morning (laughs) and, um, and going, Hey, we should, we should hang out. We should catch up. We should talk shop. And it wasn't really until Scott had an idea for a New Yorker cartoon that he just kind of bounced off me and it kind of just stayed with me for a while. I kept thinking about it and I had drawn it up and sent it to him one day and he, so I think that was the beginning. I think that might've been the, the sort of nascent sort of phase of our collaborative relationship was, Hey, there might be some more of these ideas we could turn into cartoons because maybe they don't work as stand up bits on stage or, you know, they're too, um, you know, absurd to fit into either of our <laughs> acts. But yeah, I mean, I'll let Scott kind of explain it because his, his background is in radio as well. So he actually had a real job. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great description. I don't think I can add too much to that. <laughs> or, or, or should I accuse you of a revisionist history? That yeah. Never- <laughs> yeah, we should have a beef. That would make better radio. Make <laughs> <a good> <laughs> well, that's that's really cool. That's so funny that you guys have both like 
came over here for essentially like the same opportunities and your 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 career path like trajectory were so aligned and so parallel that you still eventually came together that's oh, so fun and cool i don't know it's <laughs> very very like soulmatey you're going you're very romantic <laughs> the universe made it happen whether you wanted it to or not essentially it's, it's giving love <laughs> <laughs> This is very that's quickly. What, that's what we're here for. for. Yeah, this is going to become like the secret, isn't it? Like we just manifested this. <laughs> so um, now you both worked, you've both been working at like, the New Yorker for how many years now then? I think about five or so, oh, maybe six? five or six. Okay. Yeah. And then how long before that had you guys moved from Australia here? I think I mean four or five. I want to say. Way. I think okay. we moved around the same time. I think Scott was here maybe uh, uh, maybe six months before I got here, and we. I mean, I'd been submitting to the New Yorker for years and years mm. and years. But one of the challenges of submitting to the New Yorker is that if unless they can really put a face to a name or kind of a discernible style or consistency. It is tough to kind of get a foot in the door there. Back then sure. it was Bob Mankoff, who was the cartoon editor at the time. And he did like to meet people in person. And he, every Tuesday he took meetings from 11 a.m. And he would sit with you and give you horrendous feedback. Very, very <laughs> sharp and direct. He didn't have time to mince words. Sure. Um, but it was probably the most useful editorial meeting that anyone could have. Because, you know, it's literally sort of telling you what not to do. And that that was always very useful. So by the time I finally sold to the New Yorker, like on on my own, it was like 2017 and he was on his way out and the new cartoon editor was on her way in. And um, it wasn't, I don't think we had sold together. I don't think Scott and I had sold together until maybe like end of 2017 or somewhere thereabouts, I think was, was something like that. And, and we, we had been pitching together um, for a while because I, Pitching solo and and working solo as a cartoonist is the that's pretty the, the regular thing. But you you also you know it's ninety nine point nine percent rejection, which is you know you you deal with alone, and then that point one percent of um uh of you know success when you sell something, um you get to enjoy that, but you kind of enjoy it alone. So it is nice yeah. to share <laughs> most of the failure and then some of the success. Well, the yeah, record. Yeah. I've never had a cartoon rejected. That's all Jason. I sell 100% of the time. I just need that kind of clarified. Just yeah, okay. kind of a legal thing. Um, my, my lawyer just, is, is Rudy Giuliani. So he's got yeah, his hands okay. full. So I've got to, um, I've got to take care of something. set the record problem. straight on. Yeah. You know, the I, I know you don't want to be accused of peddling lies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I was like, add another disclaimer. Like, I don't know these men. I just interviewed them. Yeah. Isn't that? That's I do not so condone. Leonard Kennedy does not condone falsifying information. You know how they do that on some of them? Like, they come on before, go, "Hey guys, just a little heads up. I don't know these men." And yeah. just, that's, that's it. They're like it does not. Yeah. It does not reflect the opinions or views of. <laughs> yeah. Or they do it in post. They're like, listen, this interview with Sam Bankman Fried was recorded a while ago <laughs> and things were very exciting. <laughs> oh man, I know, right? You guys are making more work for me. But otherwise, well, 
Maybe not. Maybe I just don't. I'll leave it in. <laughs> Keep it all in. Keep it all in. Have you interviewed anyone that's ended up kind of being cancelled or falling foul of the public domain? No, I don't think so. Um, not so much. I because a lot of it's I only interview like authors, um, but people who are releasing books. So either it's like it could be a memoir that's the only thing they write, or um, you know they they've done like a like a nonfiction, like more like. I don't know. I, you know, Empress and the English Doctor, that was by more like a research book. It was really, really cool. It was about Catherine the Great and, um, her whole situation with bringing smallpox to people of Russia. Well, not bringing, well, yeah, she was bringing smallpox to people of Russia, but it was the, her whole reasoning for that and how significant it was. But, um, I, I interviewed one person who she had written a book, um, called The Short History of Queer Women. And she kind of, I think she kind of, um, which and she is also queer. She's married um, to a woman. They have a kid together. And I think she did run into some um, tricky business with like people who read it, who thought she was being like maybe a little insensitive towards trans people when she was just, but she actually did the op, like she, in her efforts, she tried the opposite. She tried to make, like she did her due diligence and maybe worked too hard to make sure that she was being respectful of like, pronouns and things like that because hundreds of years ago you know trans wasn't really a word or wasn't used in like mainstream conversations and um and even though the community was there they just weren't there was very much a secret community and so um or they just you know manifested in like other ways and she you know she she can't write a history of about queer women without including some of those members of that community so she did kind of like, I don't know, I think during some reviews, which also don't read your book reviews is what she also said, which a lot of authors say don't, I made the mistake of reading my book reviews, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but she, she did. And she noticed that some people had like kind of been comparing her to like JK Rowling. And she was like, okay. Like, cause I, that was one of the questions I asked was like, you know, any big lessons learned, things like that. Like it's her first experience writing a book. And that's one thing that she pointed out. And I was like, I mean, JK Rowling, it's hard, you know, it's heartbreaking because like I love the Harry Potter books and like she has a whole like community of readers who like she's inspired and all that. But then, yeah, she kind of made some problematic and unapologetic comments that she hasn't really stepped down from, at least not that I've noticed. Um, and so it, it when that author, she was kind of like, I may have gone a different route. I don't know. She's like, I. it seems like, yeah, she I don't know if she was being canceled. But to answer your question, it was kind of like she recognized that it, something backfired, even though this was a, a risky thing in a, anyway. But she yeah, was yeah. kind of like, I, no, I'm not. Cause she's like, she's like, I'm a lesbian. I'm not trying to like make enemies here, you know, like amongst people in my own community. Like she, but she, she wanted to be like respectful of that, but she thinks like, okay, maybe she just didn't quite hit it right. You know? So and you spoke to her after all this had kind of, the, the reason, the kind of the thrust of my question, I guess, is like I'm interested in this idea of like, would you consider taking down that podcast? Like, there's an interesting kind of reckoning happening in this kind of space. And J.K. Rowling's obviously it's a really kind of tough thing because her work has meant so much to so many childhoods. Like, yeah. and then you kind of come out and that. The, you know, the separation of the art and the artist is obviously an ongoing conversation that's been happening yeah. for hundreds of years. But, but now we have this method of of reframing it. So do you take that 
that that episode down as a content creator or should it be kept up for prosperity as it has been previously where there is the glowing newspaper article about the monster we find out later on that you can't reconcile yeah. from and then are we in a perverse way and again trying to do the right thing rewriting history in a way that could minimize these things and see them be repeated because we right. haven't seen steps before it's a question without an answer but i'm always interested in people in your position kind yeah, of what no i um, i wouldn't take it down um because mm. I, I think if the nature of the conversation if there was like actual like some if it was obvious that she had like some anti-trans like views then yeah that i would definitely maybe edit it out after the fact but because it was more like i i took it is it was more giving her an opportunity to kind of like clarify yeah yeah like set the record straight like clarify her like opinion and her mm. process and uh, like how i said like the biggest lessons learned like maybe anything she would do differently now that she's gone through it so mm. if there were yeah and i there was um there was an author who i had um she wrote a memoir you know her experience as a queer black woman growing up in um you it's know called becoming it's called it, becoming <laughs> Gosh, if I interviewed Obama, I'd be done. Um, <laughs> um, no, but she, she, I did, when I wrote my book review, I had included that because I was like, you know, it was really interesting. It was a little tricky to like, like I have unbiased opinion or at least I try to, but it was like, I told her even during the interview, like her book made me uncomfortable reading it because I'm a white, I'm a white skinned person and kind of reading a book about like how these incidences ha have happened. And so it was like maybe the white guilt. She asked me to elaborate. And I remember like, yeah, maybe it's white guilt. Maybe it's like not, I'm not meant to add to the conversation, but I'm here reading it and I have to write a book review about it. So, mm. you know, we had that conversation and then later she asked me, she's like, so do you mind like editing your book review to remove the word queer? She's like, I think, She's like, unfortunately, I'm, I'm having some trouble like finding like she had moved back to like Alabama to help her sick mom and she was trying to get a job. And I think she was just trying to cover her basis. She's like, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. But unfortunately, like people type in my name, like your website, stuff that we did together pops up. And she's like, I don't know if that's if it's that's the reason why I'm having so much trouble being hired or finding a job. And it was things like that where I have gone back and edited at the request of the author just because it does seem like it did seem like a small enough thing. Like I didn't yeah, really yeah. change anything else. It was just like, well, if somebody reads the book review, they won't, they'll just see that she wrote a book that she wrote a memoir about this, that, and the other. And it wasn't, it's not like, Oh, it's because, you know, she details her, even though it's, it's unfortunate because like all they could do, they could just go and read the book and figure that out too. Or cause I didn't ed edit any of that out in the, um, I don't think it was that prevalent in the interview anyway, but yeah, it's, it's something like that it is tricky, but I haven't run into any um, yeah. significant ones where I'm like, Oh God, we got to do damage control. We got to like minimize this and separate ourselves from this particular, you know, speaker, author, whoever, I yeah, guess it I, just depends on the context for it's sure. Such a, it's such a weird, I'm sorry. I've kind of derailed the conversation here, but <laughs> it's all um, good. <laughs> so, so we, were you arming and ahhing about taking that out of the review? Because there's a part of me that, particularly with reviewing, is that you have to be unimpeachable, no? Like, you, you these, these are your opinions. Um, and I agree. I think that 
for the record, I probably would have done the same as you because it's it's probably you, you're not hanging the whole in- review mm. on this one aspect of it, obviously. But it is an interesting one where does that then? I don't think it cheapens the review, but there's that that like does that question obviously? It was literally there? just removing the word queer because I said, oh, she details her experiences as like um you know uh, a black woman growing up in this, and then it was like. Because a lot of it was like she she writes the memoir in like the style of letters to her father who died, but she didn't know that he died until like two or three months after he passed. And she was like, I think that was kind of like a a triggering moment for her to be like, okay, I'm you may be therapeutic or a way to like express and tell her story. But yeah, it was really just it wasn't like removing an opinion part of it. It was just removing an adjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. sad enough, that was such a you know significant part of who she is. But I, I, it wasn't like part of the opinion part of it. It was like a part of the yeah. description. Yeah, and then it starts another conversation about what is it, what is ours to share about other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about some comedy now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect segue. Um, From I that to two of... straight white yeah. guys. <laughs> 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 um so just to clarify i want to i want to piggyback on something you mentioned earlier how you were like well you're doing some research like your research process you neither of you have kids or you do have kids so without <laughs> making this kind of very weird and uncomfortable particularly given <laughs> i think we're i think we're past that but we okay. are definitely past it <laughs> my my wife and i are um planning on starting a family and so I'm a bit of a planner, so I've been doing a lot of, like, research stuff. And what I found is that a lot of the kind of things that I was finding were very funny. And a lot of, like, there is this kind of secret society where everyone's like, it's the greatest thing and you need to have a kid, you've got to do it. And then if you just dig under that surface a little bit, people are like, oh, you never sleep again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And this and is very so the... it kind of lent itself to to comedy, but I think a lot of the observations we were making. So I, I like we researched the daylights out of this book, and it's funny how many things were found were like, oh yeah, my parents did that. Like the and it's just the kind of frames of reference are slightly different. Like, the like generally, story. generationally, it's still kind of generationally. Yeah, exactly. It was you know we put you in front of the Flintstones versus an iPad, but it's still the same distraction is the yeah, right. It doesn't matter what it is. And that's those sorts of things. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy in that commonality, like just generationally speaking, all the ones that made the cut. I mean, we did hundreds of these things and we cut them down to about just over a hundred. And that was really hard because there are so many, but also some, some of them are the are variations on the, on within the same theme, or, you know, some of them you think, oh, is this something that would carry across from Gen Z to, you know, Gen mm. X to boomers to, you know, to, to and, and the book covers everything from like babies to toddlers to teens and tweens through to, you know, uh, all grown up. So mm. it's not just a book about baby, about raising babies. It's a, it's a book about parenting. It's a book about the whole spectrum because you're, you're a parent. The whole day, you don't just sort of check out at 18 and go, all right, see ya. No. So there's, there's no so clocking much... out in parent. No, and... exactly. And that's very much the, the sense is like there is no clocking out from being a parent. You never really 
ever stop parenting. And it's like, there's a lot of comedy in that. There's a lot of humor mm. in that and a lot of heart in it. It's not, we're not sort of, it's not um, in the way that some comedy is this sort of convex sort of roasting and making fun. It's very concave, like, hey, we all realize this is a very common thing. We can all feel less alone because we're joking about this thing that we all recognize is a common thing that we all have to put up with. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I do have two kids. They're uh, two little boys, five and two. Oh, and, wow. you know, speaking of like, once I was running a little late because I was like, I, I, I have, to, I tend to have the personality. I think where I like, okay, I have time to do all the things like, and I underestimate the amount of minutes I need like yeah. before 6 PM, for example, for this interview. And <laughs> right. so one of those like, okay, well, you know, my husband's coming home. He can pick up one kid that's at my parents. Cause they're retired, which all something you reminded me. It's like, yeah, well you're, you're raising your parent of grown children, but then it kind of starts over again. If you want to, yeah, exactly. if your baby said yeah. you have grandchildren. Um, and then, so that's like a whole nother layer of, of parenting. Mm-hmm. Cause then it's like, and even me, it's like now that I, I see my parents and our, our, my relationship with my parents changed too, because after I have totally. kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so like going to that example, it's like, yeah, I think I said like, okay, honey, to my five-year-old, I was like, I picked him up. I was like, all right, I got a video interview. You want mac and cheese, you mac and cheese in the microwave. And okay. Do you want to, <laughs> what do you want to do? Do you, do you want to watch or do you want to play like one or the other? Like, And then <laughs> if, if you need something, you're on your own and unless it's an emergency, but usually he's, he's, and even when I was like, um, he was younger, like I started actually working from home. Um, he'll be six in August. And so I actually started working from home, like before the rest of the world took, took on that before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so he's unfortunately, you know, he's, or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, he's gotten used to like pretty good at playing independently and being kind of like, I think as long as he like knows where I am, he doesn't freak out. Um, but the two year old, I don't know. He's it's, it's almost like, cause I don't know if it's a second born thing where it's like, you're still splitting your attention and he's never been an only child. Mm-hmm. And or if he's just like he's he's reached that age where he's like two and a half, he's like being the spawn of Satan these days. And I'm like, <laughs> people are asking, like, are you gonna have a third? I'm like, I need I don't know, man. I think I need some more time with this one until he like yeah. listens or like he's a good communicator and he understands like so much. Like he's that where he's still that sponge brain, but he just wants he's just all about destruction where he wants to see like a toy and then I don't know, it's like once he like plays with it for the first time. He wants to see how far he could throw it. I don't under without fail. Like every time I'm like, Oh, you want to bring like, yeah. he watches a lot of Paw Patrol. Oh, you want to bring chase with? He's like, Oh yeah. Motorcycle. Okay. Let's go find chase to put in the motorcycle. And and straight up this morning, just like threw it. I'm like, <laughs> we're about to get in the car. You don't want to take it to grandma and grandpa's. He's like, no. And then he just like walks towards the door. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> like I, things like that, where it's like, I, I'm not even phased anymore. And I don't even like try to correct because it's like, yeah, okay, obviously don't throw things. Don't throw things at people. Don't throw things at your brother. You don't need to throw everything you have your hands on. But at the same time, it's like, I only have so much like time and energy to like devote to try to correct that behavior. <laughs> so, sure. So just start teaching him to pitch for baseball. I well, mean, one, yeah, right. Exactly. Corral that into exactly. A like give him, okay, here's a ball. Like, because oh. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing I think you mentioned in your book. It was like, like the housework, like you just don't bother anymore i don't because you know i I, it would really bug me like just stuff or clutter if it's organized clutter whatever that's fine i if i can walk through my living room i don't care but like 
it's it's when the floor is like literally lava like i can't walk anywhere without like potentially injuring myself and so it's <laughs> things like that where it's like yeah that's the parenting thing where you're like oh don't even worry about it seriously like yeah, other people will come over to your house and they're like it's fine i have kids too it's fine so that's that's part of the collective the, the, like, yeah yeah like it takes a village to turn its back on do it yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> and it is yeah. but i think and and i i do have to push back on that like like you've got to let yourself off the hook you were trying to keep if you've got a if you've got a husband is like you're trying to keep three vertebrates alive yeah. <laughs> you have to prioritize moment to moment and, and maybe the lid off the pen isn't number one at the moment <laughs> right and i know it, no it's so yeah. true i think you know that's that's exactly you know it's because if we're not care- like yeah if we're not careful we don't hide the crayons we'll find blue marks like on the hardwood floors on the refrigerators on like the counters anything that's not a piece of paper so did you relate very much to the pages in the book? <laughs> Absolutely. At least up until like the toddler kid stories. Cause yeah, then when I, right. I started, when you guys started getting the older groups and I was like, Oh great. Like yeah, your blood <laughs> it, run it, cold. It can be, yeah, it can be comforting or terrifying in that way because you're like, they're going to do yeah. what as a teenager. It's yeah. Like right. Reading. Like, but that's the whole joke of it. Right. It's like, you can't, yeah. Like, is there sarcasm there? Like, is there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and know? it's it's like reading a book about yourself, and you come into it. You, it depending on where you are in the parenting story, you sort of come into the book about. Oh, I'm about here. I'm about yeah. at you know <laughs> toddlers and kids. Yep, I can recognize the 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 side of a blue pen lid. You know, sets your blood running cold. Yeah, or the silence. But or then you, the yeah. faucet, the faucet running. The faucet, yeah. <laughs> then as you as you move forward, you're like, oh yeah, my mum used to do that. Mm. You know, like, there's all that. I, I I'm I'm 43 years old. I flew to Sydney, Australia, to surprise my mother for her birthday uh, about six months ago. I showed up. She hadn't seen me. Big thing. We're at lunch at a very fancy restaurant overlooking the Sydney Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and all this stuff. During the meal, my mum took out a tissue, licked it, and took some food off my face. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm wearing a Rolex watch, right? This is not- <laughs> but she's still your mother. She's still your mother. And she's probably the only person you would ever like allow to do that, even if yeah. you were very much against it. <laughs> like, even like even pre-pandemic, I it's was like, mom, my that. entree costs fifty dollars. What are you doing? Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to ruin another lunch. <laughs> you never stop being a mom. That's it. That's the key. And it's no. funny. I feel like part of it. My mom's exactly the same. It's it's insane that my mom and Scott's mom have never met because my well. Geographically, it makes sense. My mum is on the other side of the continent, which is as big as the United States. So mm-hmm. Perth is here and Sydney's on the other side. It's five hours flight. Um, but they are almost identical. Every time Scott describes something his mum did, I'm like, are we right. separated at birth? Do we have the same mum and she's just living a double life with two families? Because right. extraordinary. How- but I think I read yeah. somewhere where like, no, it, it'd be impossible for a woman to have two families. <laughs> absolutely it would never it would never fly it would never make sense like we're like is this (laughs) is this the secret like everyone like is bad mouthing inflation and cost of living are are we eradicating the secret family like who could afford two families 
It's the biggest flex in the world now. I, I, mean, I know. Two. It's like. Who can afford one? I don't know. But that's a good point. I never thought of it that way. I think maybe we got to look at the trends like, mm-hmm. but, you know, 10 years in the past to 10 years in the future and be like the prevalence of family like affairs like <laughs> niche. it's a niche study i'll give you that yeah. with, with inflation and affairs just sort of yep. <laughs> there's this inverse curve but have okay. you ever known someone that's had a secret family like ever uh i i'm i'm the result of of my grandfather's secret family and no yeah, he oh my god he's from like southern california like my my dad's my grandfather my maternal grandfather has um they're I, my mom's mexican and so they have property on i know they have are you property comfortable on- talking about this I, <laughs> yeah sorry. i talk about it no my idea. mom talks about it it's okay wow. she, she didn't know she had like five more siblings like half siblings until her father her father's funeral and she oh, was in her 40s goodness like her that's- sister my aunt uh her birthday is like two weeks apart wow she was born yeah that's how that's brazen and it's yeah. crazy because, yeah, we're in Chicago and his other family is in, like, San Diego slash Tijuana. They own properties and businesses on both sides of the border. Um, but, yeah, it was like, like, he, I'm like, why was he here? Why was he in Chicago? Because I know that my mom grew up with, like, a single mother household. but she, And she, like, knew her dad, but he wasn't around. Like, he would only come to visit every once in a while. And and I think, like, my my grandmother knew, but... I guess I don't know if the kids were never curious or if they didn't know any better because it's my sis, my mom and then her two brothers are by with her mom from her mom and then they have she has two more sisters and three more brothers from the original family and I didn't know I I found this out after my mom got back from his funeral got back from California slash Mexico and I think I was like 16 at the time maybe 15 at the time I don't even know maybe like 13 actually I know I was like in that little Teenage, like where it was like, wait, what? And then middle of the book, yeah, old yeah. enough, <laughs> old enough then, to understand, yeah, yeah, like yeah, right. So you like you, yeah. you know what's going on here. Where yeah, I, I understood like the like the seriousness of it, but then it wasn't until I got older where I was like, wait a second, how would that? How did that work? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. because and then even my dad was saying because like we 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 would reflect back on trips that we took to visit him, and my grandfather would take us around to like his businesses where like his uh, son-in-law worked and a place that his other daughter, but they never said anything and nobody ever asked. It was just like, yeah. Oh, this is his community. This is people. And it was like, well, the, my mom's experience at his funeral was like, Oh, how did you, how did, how did you know Isaac? And she's like, Oh, it was my mom's my dad. And he was like, that was, that's my dad. Isaac's my dad. And that's like how that whole, oh and God. like we, they took, but they took us in though. Like I, I didn't realize that, my grandmother was the other woman until I took the trip with my mom to meet all of them. And this was like in my mid twenties. So it was like, I went like 12 something years thinking that you were the, original not even, family. yeah. Not thinking like, Oh, we were the original family when it was like, Oh no, my grandmother, we were the other oh, family. Wow. And so, but they have like, op- welcomed us with open arms. They're like, oh, no, the past is the past. It's not your fault. Like you didn't do this, you know? And that's even, good. Yeah, I was absolutely like, and I, you know, I love them to death and we keep in touch via like social media and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was like, even, um, when we were there, like in his wife's house, like the original wife's house, he said, 
I was like, mom, is this like weird for you to like be here? She's like, yeah, a little bit. Like, like, but she was, she was just always welcoming us. And there's like kind of a language barrier there. Like, you know, cause my, my grandmother was very, they wanted to be as American as possible. So, um, you know, there was like violence with depending on the language that they spoke. And so there's just like, no, we're here. It's survival. We're, you're not learning Spanish, which is, which is a shame, but that's, just speaks to like the generational like experience yeah. of, of all that, like the, you know, first generation immigrants, things like that. But yeah, she was like, um, I think she knew, but yeah, there was like some language barrier with the other woman. And, but even she was just still so welcoming. So nice. Like, like, Oh, you know, come say goodbye before you guys leave. Like they she, welcoming us like typical Mexican household, making sure we were fed, making sure we were comfortable. Just like, she knows exactly who we are. We've like met her before, like, or at least she met my mom before she knows, but she just told her, her children, like, you know, she's your family. You know, she didn't create herself. Like this was like as a result of some other, of other, other person's actions. So it was, yeah, it, it was a, it was a thing. And, um, but I don't know, it just kind of like adds to that whole experience, I guess. And, and also kind of like piggybacking before when I say like, yeah, now that I'm a parent, and now it like opens up the whole like oh the floodgates of a whole new way of like realizing totally. things. So yeah. the, and the, this so I, I had a friend have a similar situation, and I, I was with her um, a little while ago, and she said, "Oh, have a look at this photo," and I thought it was her, and I said, "Oh, what? You look a bit different." She goes, "That's my sister," and I said, "You don't have a sister." <laughs> <She> goes, well, <laughs> do I have a story for you? Totally I am. Meg, can I just? I'm so sorry to bring that up. I didn't. I had no. That was totally totally unexpected. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. If you don't want to put that in. Oh, no, it's okay. I really, I think it's kind of a fascinating story. And I guess I don't, the, the, I don't have like a negative viewpoint of it. I think more so it would be like my grandmother who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. Who might have a different, yeah, attitude. Well, you know, she's passed away now, but who's. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, it was kind of like. She was like my mom. She was thirty five when she had me, so she was already like kind of an older mom. And so yeah, yeah. My grandmother was like older, but I wasn't. I think I was like only like nineteen, and when she passed. And so yeah, it's like now I'm like, oh man, to be able to pick her brain, like mm. to it be is like one of what? Those, yeah, like you think like that happens all the time. Yeah. It's just so you just don't think it's it's something that happens to other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when it strikes close, and these people are like my friend, I'm really we're really close. So it felt like it was kind of it was, a, and it was really interesting to see the way in which everyone else reacted. It was totally, like, oh, and and this yeah. is his mistake, not not ours. What like I should right. hold animosity towards right? Yeah, there, there's a, a a cartoonist friend of mine whose wife in Florida uh, discovered that she had 13 siblings across several states. Oh her, my goodness! She was adopted, um, but she found out that her genetic father oh. was a salesman, a traveling oh salesman. Oh. And they found each other through like Facebook, I think. I think Twenty Three and Me was the big, um, as, as it usually is, as, the big party. As, as a tribute, them. as a tribute, they found each other on Facebook Marketplace, which I. <laughs> 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 yeah, a salesman's kid. You know, they're all gonna. Yeah, oh, yeah one of them tried to buy a trailer <laughs> off the other one. Um, so they're was, <laughs> But it was it was as almost as ex, as as crazy as that Netflix documentary called Our Father. The guy right, who had like, like wasn't 40 he like kids? 
across. Yeah, was he? Where was he? A doctor, or he was like? Yeah, a, he was a fertility doctor, and uh, he, he ended was like up helping. switching out his own stuff. Yeah, it was what? a wild story. Yeah, so, you haven't seen millions of stories. There's a Netflix documentary. It's called Our Father, and it's this exact story times. I mean, turned wait, up to wait, eleven. Wait, 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 wait. Again, I don't want to be mischaracterized as liking <laughs> those kinds of stories. You know, where women are tricked into being impregnated. No, Scott does not like that. Scott is trying to Just for the record, wholesome book about a funny observations about parenting. We're all in this together. Scott does not represent these views. This is nerd cantina at best. <laughs> Is he, oh is he keeping you on your toes? Is he keeping you paying attention? Let's not turn this into the Mori Povich cantina. Let's oh let's keep this on the rails. But yeah, it's true. I think like I think I saw like some previews of that documentary where some of the adults were like, yeah. it turned out like I had dated my half brother. Yeah, because they were on the same town. So unfortunately, the odds were that it it go it gets pretty dark but yeah it's it's a wild story this guy was like a super uh evangelical christian guy and considered himself spreading it yeah it's you know what i don't want to go into it it's a lot but uh it just reminded you it just reminded me of that <laughs> that's like the worst version of this story where people don't react well to fun no yeah, yeah it's well it's oh, wild no no yeah <laughs> at the end of the day i'm very fortunate for um you know, I I only see it as like, well, you know, now I like meeting family that I always had and developing relationships yeah, yeah, with them. Yeah, and, mm, yeah. yeah. it was kind of weird at first, I think, because we're like, oh, like, but then it was like, oh, like, come into our house, we're yeah. gonna make you dinner, we're gonna, you know, so it just it gives a whole new definition <laughs> to uh, the term found family. Yeah. You know, literally, literally yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but so you just asked a bunch of parents and how was there like a more uh, one of the common things? Like, how did you uh, choose which ones you definitely wanted to keep? Was it like because it was more common or that it like packed a bigger like punch or or what do you think? It was pretty consensus driven on reflection. Like, we yeah, we, yeah. Had, had a few of those and, things, yeah. and I was running them past. So my mother was a, a midwife, and she was an early childhood nurse, and so I was running a lot of these things by her because she was, you know, a, in a way, kind of like a professional parent for yeah for adult life, it, helping kind of. I mean, you know what it's like. You take them in to make sure they're in the right height and weight percentiles and stuff like that. So that was my mom, and. Um, yeah, some of the ones that we put through that she was like, that's got to go in. And then my yeah. best friend has two young daughters around your age, your your one's ages. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of, like, the. I think my favourite image that Jason has done is it's easier just to let them dress themselves than explain yeah. dress codes. And it's a picture of a kid dressed as Spider-Man in, at a funeral. Yeah. And- Every just parent had to get him in the car, that, you know. Every parent I've shown that has been like, yeah, it was Elsa for us or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those, Usually yeah, it hasn't for me, it hasn't been that dramatic. I've just um <laughs> it's just if they want if they're my five year old like we have him dress himself before, you know, in the morning, but he'll just grab what he wore the day before. I'm like, You wore that yesterday. We're not gonna send you to school wearing the same t shirt two days in a row. Like yeah. you know, we can't like and he doesn't understand why I'm like, honey. 
Pick a pick a different Minecraft t-shirt. Pick a different Mario t-shirt. You want to wear Mario, you want to wear Sonic. You've got yeah. like four different options here. It's like you wore this yesterday. Like it, please. It's <laughs> finding things like like those cultural touchstones like Fortnite and Mario and and it's like there are so many things across where just even the mention of Paw Patrol or Bluey or something will just set a parent off like, oh my God, Bluey. Like they'll just be- I'm one of those parents. I love Bluey. So I was hoping the conversation was going to go there because I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, to me, it's like, yeah. it's so like revolutionary. I, or, yeah. I, I I saw, I think an episode of it before my, my kids did and I made them get into it. I was like, you're going to oh, watch nice. Bluey. Like, cause I just, I do, dream. I love it. And it's like, it's, they're so real about it too. Like, yeah, because just in the animation, you see like the b- back seat has like garbage and stickers on it, or like yeah. food stains, things like right. that. Where or they'll they'll show the parents straight up hungover, and the kids want to play. It's like well, yeah, yeah. That like- was the whole premise of, of Bluey was they didn't want to like sugarcoat parenting as this like nuclear family perfect nineteen fifties Mad Men era. Yeah. Everyone's like it's uh, the, I I did actually speak to the uh, creator of Bluey's in Queensland. Um, yeah, oh, in Australia. That's awesome. and and it's so interesting how they developed that show not to not to be this sort of like homogenized story. It's very much like parents see it, and it's yeah. almost like as you say, the parents want the kids to watch it because they're like, "This is something I could bear watching on repeat." Yeah, as opposed to like listening to "Let It Go" forty four thousand times a day. Oh gosh, they're actually going. You know what? I could I could deal with an Australian accent for ten it's, hours. Um, <laughs> I think the storylines have changed since they've gotten so rich. Like the one where like <laughs> they couldn't find the right caviar for the party. Like, who, can, <laughs> who can relate to that? <laughs> it was yeah. It was um. Uh, what was the uh, bluey caviar? Yeah, the, the, yeah, uh, the their own caviar brand. The episode where Bluey is uh, railing against capital gains tax, like I. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as it hit Netflix, it was like a whole other thing because it was an Australian show that yeah. just was so fantastically done. And as soon as it hit Netflix, it just took off like a rocket. And everybody, everybody I met, usually when Australians, you know, when we're we're around in 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 America. It's like you meeting Europeans and them saying, oh, isn't Chicago cold? What's the deal with the deep dish yeah. pie? They say to us, oh, Bluey. <laughs> like, people <laughs> bring up Bluey within five seconds of meeting us. Now, yeah. it used to be Crocodile Dundee, so it's a refreshing thing. Oh, okay, change, sure. Still, with these it's accents, a, it's... We, can, we can Bluey-splain people and not people <laughs> for it. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, hilarious. there's a great New Yorker cartoonist named Ellis J. Rosen, it has a book out right now, actually. It's called Dink. It's about pickleball. It's cartoons about pickleball. Don't buy it. But- Don't buy it. There's yeah. a better book out. Called <laughs> You're not a real yeah. parent. We have a beef. Until- no. Um, he just did a New Yorker shouts piece on the NewYorker.com about Bluey and about Bluey's dad. And because Ellis has two young girls and he just watches Bluey nonstop all day. And the, the whole premise of the bit is Bluey's dad thinks he's so good. And he's just, <laughs> he's just like railing on Bluey's dad. And it's the funniest thing. It's a man melting down before your eyes in print. It's really funny. Oh my God. I know. It's like I have some parent, like I think I've read some like statements, either like a meme or whatever. That's like, oh, I just seeing these, like Bluey makes me kind of feel insecure about my parenting style. Sometimes I'm like, it's a cartoon dog. And I'm looking at like, I'm looking at it as like, oh, I didn't, I didn't try it that way before. Like, oh, but then again, it's like Bluey and Bingo are fantastic little kids. Like they mm-hmm. are so they're cooperative for the most part. Like it's like, you don't show 
Chili and Bandit losing their shit because they have to repeat themselves 40 times. It's, you know, because you're only seeing eight minutes of of their lives yeah. at a time. So, yeah, no, I, but for me, I'm just like, no, like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it over and over again over Blippy because my two-year-old is obsessed <laughs> with Blippy, who's right. also... He's good at what he does, but he gets a bit much after a while. He just gets listen, a bit. Listen, no shade on Blippi whatsoever. You're out there. I see you, baby. <laughs> but we don't stand this queen. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. So, no, with, with Blue, I'm just like, come on. It's like a cartoon dog. It's a cartoon. And I think it's like, they just, it's so wholesome where, and it's hilarious and entertaining. And it's like a way to like, kind of like, oh, maybe I should try that next time. I don't know. But because at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, you're not Chili and Bandit, but your kids are not Bingo and Bluey either. It's like, come on. So can I ask, who is setting the unrealistic expectations here? Is it Chili and Bandit or is it Bluey and Bingo? <laughs> someone, someone is out there. Or is it Blippi? Is it all right? <laughs> all of the above. I know, right? It's like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind like having Bluey for a day. <laughs> it's like... Just doing a like either a play play date or you know like a little swap. But like I want to see Chili and Bandit deal with my children. Like maybe let's can we do that? <laughs> oh, that's a funny idea. like super nanny. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is then I don't know. They I, that's why I tell my sister in law too. Like if she's like ever alone, I'm like no, the kids will listen to you. She's like I'm just scared of the two year old. I'm like as you should be, but because yeah, they um, they listen to the people who aren't their parents much better. But um. He's also I'm like also like the young one, he's like effing adorable and I feel like he knows it. So he could like he can just look at you and be like, No, and you're just like, Okay, you're fucking cute. Stop it. Yeah, you know? like, it gets like yeah. so hard to like keep that authoritative like you know, uh, uh, vibe going <laughs> when well, it, you're just like, I'm going to hug you and kiss you still. Like, it's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> One of the jokes, which I don't know if we, if it made the original, the final cut or not, was essentially around like, the 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 thing was uh, the the premise was that toddlers are all tyrants and that when you see the way they act like you're thankful there's a system of checks and balances because like this is how dictators get started like this kid <laughs> <has> power <laughs> yeah charismatic dictators yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's I true i think i was cut at the last second <laughs> it's like i'm yeah i mean there's like a, yeah it's like one of the running jokes of parenthood it's like i'm 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 just their bitch and there's nothing i can do about it and they are they are they run this house i could imagine like i could pretend that i you know because I can reach things that they can't. So they have to depend on me for some things. If they want a snack, they was like, mommy, like, I'll show you snack. Can I have some chips? And like, usually it's fine depending on the day, but then I'm like, oh, do you want some strawberries? Like, how about a banana? Or how about some grapes? Like, I'll try to like, at least yeah. balance it out. Otherwise, again, right. it's part one of the battles. Like, how much do I care? Like, I have other things to do, or I'm just yeah. not... I don't have like the the mental like energy or capacity to like give a shit because he's just asking for chips. Like it's just not. <laughs> we'll, like, we'll know you've given up when there's a note saying "be back later" and a step letter. You'd be like, well, yeah. listen, we can everything." <laughs> Pretty much, just like I'll, like pre-portioned out, and I'm just be like, "peace out." Pre-portioned, okay. That you can't reach the scissors. Still, okay. We're okay. Yeah. Like. Because yeah. there's that- straight up in mornings where the five year old will come in and be like, "Mommy, Daddy, Mason's doing something he he shouldn't be," because he's straight up just pushing the chair up to the counter to grab, uh, you know, something that he shouldn't. And I'm, I'll ask like, "Well, like what? Like what is he getting his hands on?" And 
the five-year-old response, the scissors. And I'm, that's like what makes you snap up almost like when you realize you <laughs> you slept overslept, like past your yeah, alarm. Yeah, that's like yeah. the right. same panic and energy where all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere. You're like, I I could like take on the world right now because I do not know what my two-year-old <laughs> is doing with those scissors. I do not want to find out. Like blue crayon, fine. It's annoying. I sure. can, it comes off, but no, no scissors. And then of course you don't want to freak out because if I start chasing him, he'll think it's a game, and then he'll just be running with scissors <laughs> in his hands around that. One. Yeah. Rule one of scissors. Don't run with it. Rule one of scissors. That's it. That's the only rule. Like, no, you're all. gonna catch me. Ha ha. Like I just like just chop the scissors. Like come on, we we can play this game without you having like that tool in your hand. Like please. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's yeah, it's definitely like when I was reading through some of yours, it was kind of like it was fun to go through and be like, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, right. yep. I feel like we <laughs> should have had checkboxes on every page, really. I know, point. right? We should have really had just That's like, funny. Yeah, I that's should. Really fun. Have yeah. we had forays into hairdressing? Uh, well, the scissors is one. I mean, that's no, next, luckily, next step um, is... he just he goes to stabbing the couch. Oh, that's terrifying. He doesn't go to <laughs> his own body. He just starts sure. like, what can I do? What do these do? And then Luckily, it hasn't. There haven't been two like really punctured marks that I can see. That's obvious. Um, but that's that. Yeah, that's where he goes. He did make a puncture mark in like a blanket and a pillow. But I'm like, that's okay. I guess it's not his body. It's not his hair. It's not. So no, not necessarily. Plus, you know, they they're they're both boys. So I don't know if they're necessarily like that curious about it or like. But then again, I don't know. Not maybe not necessarily like gender thing because I don't, you know, I don't know what it's like to have a girl um, at this point. But no, luckily <laughs> he just wants he just destroys other objects and not. Well, look at the <laughs> at the very least, as long as I've given you something new to worry about, um, right? Like I've done my <laughs> just add it to the list, you know? Yeah. My but, my nephew Zachary actually discovered his dad's. Uh, Zachary's three. He discovered his dad's uh, beard trimmer. No, uh, one morning and because they were renovating the bathroom and some of the stuff was out and uh he gave it the good old, oh, <laughs> good old swipe oh yeah. my God. and so they took him to the hairdresser to try and fix it and they're like we're just gonna have to make him bald yeah. and start again <laughs> so we, got, it all we got a before and an after photo and it was oh. so funny it was perfect. And we put one of those in the book because everyone seems to have one of those stories. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's definitely like typical furries because I know I have uh, friends who have had incidents like that um, mm-hmm. with their girls who were just, but they like will cut their siblings' hair. And then yeah. like, yeah, in addition one. to theirs, and then cut their their sister's hair. It's just like, oh my God, like, I'm, I'm glad that that has. You know, I, I was like, I'm glad I'm not in that position right now. Cause, or even worse, like, I don't know if the beer trimmer, like, if they have any pets, it could have, it could have gone that way too. That ha- that yeah, happened at my house when I was a kid. My sister and my cat had quite the interaction. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Simba did not appreciate the haircut. Oh, Simba, that's perfect. Yeah. Just for the record. For the listeners, yes, we are professional comedians, uh, and no, we're not going to make that shot. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> there it is. So you know, it's funny. We as comedians. So this is something that Scott and I sort of shared when we met uh, very early on. Was I would discover a new fact or topic. And then I just became obsessed with it and started writing jokes about it, which meant I had to do more research about it. And I went down like wormholes 
like YouTube wormholes and researchers and Wikipedias. And it's just something some comedians, it's not uncommon for comedians to do this, to just want to try and wring every last joke out of a topic to just kind of like, oh my God, I just learned this about it. And there is something kind of insatiable about finding new things out and then realizing, oh my God, everyone, like the, this joke hasn't been made yet or it has been made, <laughs> but not this way. And it's just, you, you get addicted to that kind or of. Or you're like, am I missing something? Am I sure that yeah, I'm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The yeah. secret is like, don't research too much because eventually <laughs> you're like, oh, it's racist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah like kind of almost like don't meet your heroes because it's like oh, yeah, I, just yeah, ruined, yeah. I just ruined it for myself i mean that has been like the big thing of hollywood it's yeah. like oh you're a man i admired once <laughs> <laughs> i know it is a, yeah it is a little heartbreaking too to realize like how many you know even just like things that you remember from your childhood and then like someone that you would have admired and then you're like oh this person was well, anti-Semite, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Really it's unfortunate. Like, yeah. If like, yeah. heaven help us if there's some old tweets Paul Rudd wrote on a burner account or something. Because <laughs> we like, he's the he's the canary down the mine. If I, don't Rudd, know, I think maybe if Rudd goes, maybe. call it off. No more entertainment. <laughs> when we can't have nice things. <laughs> Paul Rudd's like he was like selling pardons with Giuliani or something. No, Paul Rudd. It's the Rudd index. The Rudd index is like the US dollar. It's like you can't just a measure of like, yeah, yeah. Or Tom he, Hanks. The Hanks. Tom Hanks measure. I think is a no, no. Hanks. Hanks healed it. So Paul Rudd is like you know that um, th- there's that bunker that's full of seeds in uh, Sweden. In, I thought it was in New Zealand. Or oh, maybe there's somewhere there's one like that. Yeah, well. maybe they have one too. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, but they did it out of spite. Right? <laughs> it's really, it just turns out they're really petty. It's like, yeah. oh, you, oh, you got fjords, eh? Like that. It's, 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 it's all over who has the most killer whales, and they're like, we're fucking, we're taking the seeds. <laughs> Oh, oh is that some like you well. know across the sea? I I like rivalry going on with Australians how they feel towards New Zealanders. Well, I mean, Scott Scott is the poster child for repairing that particular uh, rivalry. Shall we call it? I married a Kiwi, but <laughs> despite that, she still calls her a Kiwi though. Yeah. So <laughs> I love like how you had to think about. It. They're like, oh yeah. I bet that was the set. The next sentence was perfect. I'm like, oh, I married a kiwi. <laughs> he fixed it. He fixed it. He's a he did, right? <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, where is he going with this? And I was like, oh, well, very good then. We've known each other for forty-five minutes. You're like, this could go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it really could. No, but I, no, I, I enjoy. That's why it's like I just tell people like it's a, it's a, it's a conversation, right? Like very casual. I've had conversations that you never know where they're going to go depending on the subject matter. So with parenting, it's like, it's just hilarious. It's like two Australian comedians who don't have kids <laughs> releasing a book about, you know, what, what the, what the baseline is like, you know, you're not a parent until you've done this. We know well, like this, this is, is, this is standard. Yeah, and this is something with <laughs> I, I think the highest compliment you can be paid as a writer or a, songwriter is when someone goes oh i thought that was just me 
And I think nearly all of these we've had someone go. Yeah, that was the metric. That was the yeah, metric that- we used for which hundred made the cut was how many. That it, yeah. There were just so overwhelmingly, oh, my God, that one has to go in. I just, my sister just yesterday texted me about this exact thing. There's yeah. always that sort of real resounding, like, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, did we did we write a book about <laughs> and also were we wrong? Right. <laughs> was, it, was it super accurate? And we learned we've learned a lot as well as like did. if we open the door, parents will jump straight to child shaming. They will just just go, oh my god, my Vanessa used to do that, and, like, <laughs> and then they'll tag Vanessa in the comments. There's one. They do. I know was- there is no. Yeah. There. There's no holding back. With, I mean, my parents are not on social media, which I'm kind of glad, but they are like also like, you know, my, my dad, I would worry more so about my mom. My dad's the smart ass. So he was like, but yeah, that's the same thing. It's like the internet has just like opened up the, all the channels. Like, but I think it's like the good side and the bad side to it. But like how, how you were saying, like, it's just, you know, the parents, a lot of the commentary that you got was like, oh, it's not just me, which is like, I mean, that's kind of like what you, you hope readers get out of it, right? Like yes, what was like, absolutely. like what, you know, you thought this was a fun project, but then you ended up figuring out like, oh, holy shit. Like there's so much that, you know, there's a whole conversation that's maybe not happening as much as it could, it could, because mm-hmm. it would be beneficial to be like, oh yeah, my, my kid like swallowed a crayon today. Like, oh, mine did that two weeks ago. Like something as simple as that. We're like, yeah, cause some days like parents will feel like, so overwhelmed so drained and that's even if you're like a stay-at-home mom or dad whatever like if you don't work like parents like me full-time jobs multiple kids so it's like yeah I've, it's taken me a lot to be like like i don't care <laughs> or like what do i care should i care about this or like you know how serious is this issue right now you know, outside of even like the new relationship between my husband and I, once we became parents together, like, the, cause that's a whole thing too. It mm-hmm. changes your, your relationship and you, you learn more about each other and about how you are. Like, I, I like to say to be like, it's like you're leveling up, you know, it's like you were a sister or an aunt or like an uncle, but now you're a parent. Now you're a father. Now you're a mother. Now you're like, so it's like an adding a new like title, a new role. So it's like, oh, not like starting over again, but almost cause it's like, well, you know enough about yourself. And, but then it gets like the jokes, like, again, an example in your page, one of your pages is like, I, you know, before I had kids, I said, I would never do this. I'm never going to let my kids do that. <laughs> yeah, that's and then that. sure enough, yeah. four or five years later, yeah, I don't, I'm going to put you in, I'm going to let you, like, like I was just saying, I'm going to heat up some mac and cheese. I'm going to let you watch your show because yeah. I've got something to do and daddy's still on his way home. Like it's, just and it's really this plastic bag. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean, so, it no, is right? going up a Pokemon level, isn't it? It's like, I know, thought, well, you know he, that's become everything. like his entire personality at this point. Yeah. It's, it's all about the Pokemon, but I, you know, and, right. and it's like, he's become a little <laughs> obsessed with it, with the game too, but I'm kind of like, well, you know, I don't see video games as like a negative thing. Cause a lot of the times, you know, he was doing Mario Kart or Mario Party where we or Super Smash Brothers. He was learning how to play that. And it's like an activity that we all can do and we all enjoy. And I don't think 20 years from now, he's going to grow out of it. He may as well still enjoy beating up Super Mario or whatever, or attacking, Don, you know, attacking Bowser or even still finding Pokemon. He still might want to be a Pokemon master when he's mm-hmm. 30 years old. And I 
don't, I don't think I will be bothered by that now. I don't think like I'm worried about that. Cause there, yeah, it's, it's just, okay. He's learning. He's, he's learning how to read or he's practicing his reading. He's practicing problem solving. He's exploring like other things. And it's something that we could still help him with and we can enjoy it with him. And it helped, you know, it's just, there's other things that, that are not necessarily detrimental to the development. It's just the point where we tell him, okay, time to shut it off or no, you can't play right now. We're about to eat dinner. Like that's when it becomes problematic, but that mm-hmm. could also just be like normal child behavior of not having to come to terms is... with not having your way, you know, yeah, yeah. That's every child. And it's, it's interesting kind of one of the things we did notice in researching and, and writing and kind of showing people things is the, the generational shift of like, okay, it's Smash Brothers. The previous generation was what you're out climbing a tree or you, you know what I mean? Like it's, they just, it's the same, it's the same philosophy. It's just a different mm-hmm. generation. Or, and if you can find a way to make it like a family thing, how, how can that be detrimental? It was, was, yeah, because it was seriously like my husband was out of town um, uh, last weekend and it was like my son, like I think before bedtime, he just asked, can we, you know, will you play with me? And like, Mm. and he was like asking for dessert too, because sometimes like we'll let him have dessert. And it was like the cutest thing. It's like one of the like more cherished memories that I'll have is that it's like he asked me like, mommy, will you play with me? And I'm like, okay, like, and then we both were just like sitting on the floor playing video games, sharing a piece of cake together because it was just like a little bonding moment. But it was like, yeah. like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm a little lax. It's like, well, you're really not asking for anything too problematic. It's like, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's yeah. something that we're doing together and I'm letting you stay up a little bit late whatever oh, friday this you know is the perfect friday night, night like playing video games eating cake like you know it sounds pretty yeah, amazing it, it was such a positive memory for me but you'll remember that forever that's such a great you know you wouldn't change a thing right no and it yeah. was really it was really fine like he was already in his pajamas <laughs> like yeah. all you got to do is brush your teeth and go to bed but we're done no and but then he would be see he's clever he would ask like um okay, one more, I'll be like, okay, fine. One more game, one more match between, you know, one-on-one and then it's, we're shutting down. It's time for bed. Mm. And he goes, okay. And then he adjusts the settings to its 10 lives for each of us. So I would have had to That's kill him hilarious. 10 times. Okay. Like he just probated as long as possible. I'm like, Logan, like, I see what you did there. And I'm just like, it's <laughs> like, some, like I, sometimes I do let him win or I hold back <laughs> because I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'll let him practice on me. I don't know. But like, right. and I was like, all right, I'm going to, take a couple lives off real quick. (laughs) Those are some of my favorite memories. My mom was obsessed with Dr. Mario. Do you remember Dr. Mario? It was a Tetris game, but it was like little pills that were falling down instead of Tetris. (laughs) And they had different colors on them. And it was just this little Dr. Mario. And we had it on a Nintendo, the NES, not the Super NES, the original Nintendo, where you had to blow the cartridge to get it to work. Yeah, Uh, There was uh, some moment where... I asked my mom to play that game with me, a two-player game. And then she was like, oh, it's late. You need to go to bed. I came out for a glass of water at like midnight. She was still playing it on one-player <laughs> mode. She was, and she was obsessed. She used to play it all the time. And I didn't know. I found out by accident. I, oh, I, I you know, I caught her did, did you confront her? 
eventually I did. And she was like, oh, I just, it just helps me switch my brain off at the end yeah. of the day. I'm like, mom, it was midnight. <laughs> it's an addiction at this point. She's it actually is, yeah. now a really, really toxic gamer. Like she's <laughs> horrible. She's all over 4chan writing just horrible things. Oh my God. This is trying to watch the world burn here. Yeah, 4chan slash Mario, Dr. Mario. <laughs> Um, so just a few more questions here before we wrap up. I feel like we could like talk forever about <laughs> anything related to your book or your, uh, you know, your professional careers, um, or, or, or deep family secrets, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to know? No, I think, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you for now, but I, ex- I, you guys both owe me one just so you're, yeah, <laughs> I think we do. Yeah. I mean, the darkest secrets ever. Secret. For the, yeah. for the next book, we'll come in with a secret H. There you go. You've got put it on your to-do list next time we talk. Anything else you guys got going on? Just I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna looking for, for them. I'm looking for them, calling up. Hey, you, you and mom's still pretty solid, aren't you, Dad? Or what's <laughs> I know, it's like a random Instagram comment or Twitter, like, yeah. you know, a little tweet, like, how's, how's your mom? How are your parents? Like, yeah. <laughs> or, like, wish, wishing them happy anniversary, but putting anniversary in inverted commas, <laughs> just, like, just undermining them. Or happy, you know. <laughs> and then just not respond. <laughs> just, like, not respond to it. Yes. <laughs> so you kind of, I guess, probably like trailing off of the re- whole research process. Like, I'm going to lump a two part question with that research. So, one, like, what was like the more fascinating or most surprising thing that you learned? Um, if you feel like maybe you, you didn't mention it already. And then, um, the two part or another two parter would be, uh, most difficult parts to write and most enjoyable parts to write or draw or the whole, collection like the collective effort of uh this this piece i feel like scott could start with the research part and the and the uh revelations the discoveries research one of the things and and you're you've kind of touched on it a few times and this is the thing that i really took away kind of on a meta level i guess you'd say there is this inherent tension in parenting of i need to protect this kid i also want them to be happy and often those two things are in direct opposition with one another. And so I have to kind of finagle this situation where I'll chase you, but you can't do it with scissors. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> scissors become, if I'm not holding scissors, well, what's the point of all this? I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing anything. I don't have scissors. I look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and that came through and there's this tension of like, and so you've got that kind of, You've got that, like, on a granular level, but the meta is that you're, oh, I, I can't, I'm tired and we don't go on vacations like we used to and blah, 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 blah. But I wouldn't trade that for the world when you're looking at the kid eating crayons in the corner. That's why I do it. <laughs> and, 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 and that, to me, I think was, like, without being too kind of... Um, you know, too lofty with it. There's something really beautiful about that. And and I think there's something that is, it's intrinsic to the, it's, it's not just humans would be my kind. And I say this, someone that doesn't have children, of course, but you see the same thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a mother polar bear, try to teach a kid. Mm. how There is something like, Oh, you idiot. Just use your claw. But then there's the kind of, it's across the animal kingdom where <laughs> Yeah, like it does feel like like that kind of thing. And I, I think it makes for particularly toward the tail end of the book, there's an interesting kind of 
the the idea that you never stop being a parent and that relationship becomes really interesting and and the idea that you, that there there is a shift eventually and you are seen as an adult by your parents but there's also this thing of like well, you know, before I came along, you didn't know that you had to shit in the toilet. Like, why would I? <laughs> like, that is always going to be there. They'll always and, have that. Over like, I, I taught you how to use a spoon. I am still yeah. over 30 years older than you. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. On this but, earth. Yeah. But, Go but take out about, the garbage. Yeah, like, yeah, but no, please give me financial advice because you're so clever. <laughs> That tipping point, that change from adult to, you know, that where you become the one that's telling them about stuff, it happens mm. at slightly different ages, but it happens. And there is one in there that's like your child's behavior has your parents believing in karma. Yes. Which is like. It was like the daredevil um, yeah. type thing where like, like right. they're the- doing something really dangerous, but then there's like you see the picture and. The grandpa's like laughing, like looking yeah, at the phone. Because like, <laughs> he's like, you used to do that. Now yeah. you know what it's like. And I yeah. have this, it's this real like schadenfreude that my mother-in-law has now because my sister-in-law has three kids mm. under 10. And it is hilarious just watching her be the best grandmother in the world, but also just go, yeah, how do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. She, she's like, this is what it was like. You didn't know. And now you know. I but it's not like it's not like a it's not like a mean thing. It's like a nice hey. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like the analogy is the difference between being a boat owner and someone who's a guest on a boat. It, it, <laughs> it, like owning a boat is so much work. It's such a pain in the ass. But going out on the boat is so much fun. Yeah. And and. and <laughs> And so me as a grandparent, I come in and I'm like, yeah, let's let's put the anchor here. We should have a swim. And it's great. Then you go, now you've got to scrub this thing and make sure yeah. it's natural in it and all this crap. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm yeah. chilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you guys. I'll peace out. Yeah. And it, the thing that the real, I think it, to answer your question about what was difficult, we really never wanted to do jokes that were like making fun or like parent shaming or like doing anything negative where it was like anything but trying to give a sense of like the overarching ethos of, hey, you're not alone. Like that was really it. It's like, hey, here's this insane thing that happens, but don't worry, you're not the only one. Instead of like, hey, here's the thing that happens and you're bad if this happens. It's none of that. Like it's the opposite. Hence the... You're not it's a like real a rite of passage, still. yeah. It's a rite of passage, yeah. Because if you go, you haven't done this yet, you will. It'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that that was that was a real that was something you really wanted to be like really delicate and careful to make sure we didn't overstep that line. We're not like trying to make fun of anyone. We're, we're you know, it's 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 more poking fun at the whole concept rather than specific things. The thing that really jumped out at me that I honestly didn't really completely sort of fathom until we really had the book as one piece, like one thing across the board is that because we decided to have all kinds of families in the book, like we don't just have mums and dads. We have same sex couples. We have widowers. We have divorced couples. We have every kind of couple you can imagine. We actually kill one of them off. We kill one of them off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like we didn't we didn't totally 
intend to do that initially, but then when we did, we're like, well, unfortunately, some parents have to raise kids alone. Yeah, it's part part of their origin story, part of the backstory. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have, if you look throughout the book, there is a through line where one of the parents, unfortunately, passes away. The kid at the funeral with the Spider-Man costume, that's the wife that passes away. Uh, But then we have this sort of broad spectrum of no matter what, background you're from like no matter what kind of family you have that those things are in common no matter what like they're they're so recognizable and identifiable that doesn't matter what your family looks like these things are universal and that was like that was something that really clicked with me when i saw the book as a final thing and it really jumped out at me like yeah this is this is it makes sense now that this is just one very universal thing. So that was kind of fun to draw because I'm not drawing the same. I used to draw, I mean, every day drawing a comic strip for 16 years, you draw the same characters over and over and over again. It was nice to have like variety and different different houses and backgrounds and pets and toys and all that sort of stuff to like, that was really interesting to kind of build out this universe um, of characters and families that will now carry on through the, you're not a real dog owner until you're not a real golfer until like they're, they're going to be like, the same families, the same mums and dads and pets and everything throughout all the books. So yeah, so that was lazy. really fun to draw. So lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, could have, you could have drawn some new characters, but no, you're happy to Did it, got it right the first time. That's a, yeah. We can continue this after the podcast, but we will be talking about this. Why do the same work twice? That's what I say. Anything that, Scott, anything you can add on to that, like maybe um, more difficult or more enjoyable? Yeah, look, I think Jason kind of hit the nail. I think we, we, you know, all jokes aside, we put a lot of time into the, into the cast and into the idea of having, you know, like the the storyline is a bit of an Easter egg, but I think it, it is one of those things. And I think it speaks kind of to your point of like, it doesn't stop because some shit's happening in your life as a parent. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I think that, I think that's probably become under, come under the microscope a lot more um, over the last couple of years, because I mean, you know, you'd know better. You had, what two kids under two or you had one during a pandemic yeah he yeah he was born like i found out i would after like two weeks after lockdown i oh that's God. when i found out i was pregnant wow and, and then but, but you have nine, a unfortunately son. nine weeks later after that i got laid off like from oh, my oh job my so it was like a whole thing and i couldn't even like you know get drunk to cope i think like <laughs> my way of like <laughs> isn't that the I, worst no, I was like pregnancy. i can't even do shit like my usual like go-tos i had like some pizza and ice cream i think that's the best i could do at the time <laughs> was like but yeah you know you're absolutely right it was like the pan- a pandemic baby yeah you know? and, and 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 that stuff like your eldest boy didn't stop being your eldest boy because you were pregnant during a pandemic he just knew that he was about to have a brother named Fauci, which was a nice, <laughs> nice name at the time. <laughs> I don't know if it's aged well. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, yeah, just bring, I, I you think... know, it just brings me back to some other uh, people like were naming their their kids Khaleesi or whatever, and oh, before the, the the show before season up. eight, yeah, 
And it was Full like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I'm still behind her. I don't care. I'm like, yes, girl, burn it all to the ground. Like, <laughs> this is like, this is the thing of like getting the tattoo of the famous person. I know people that have got, you know, like that's a high stakes move. To be. I mean, Scott, you have a tattoo of your favorite band on your body. I mean, that's, well, that's no. a high stakes move. No, that's. That's probably not entirely true, but um, <laughs> I've got an artwork Speaking by a of guy. Easter eggs. I've got an artwork by a guy associated with a band, but the <laughs> yeah, that's like even dead ones are like yeah, you know. He said what? But yeah, Luxon, I didn't answer your question at all. But at least no, we, I didn't name my child that. Fauci. <laughs> this episode title is going to be called "My Son Fauci." And You're right. We're going to want to tune in to hear what the hell. It'll be the hashtag connected to the release. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen to them for the last time on this podcast. Right. <laughs> So, like, people will be able to put voices now to your faces and be like, <laughs> yeah, oh, he said that. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> um, so, all right. I'm just really curious to see what you guys are going to say to this. What, um, so then you kind of talked to, like, we kind of talked about, like, what you hoped uh, or what was, like, reassuring, like, when things that you learned about parenting and, you know, through the this whole process. So, like, what what advice do you have for parents then? You want us to give advice to parents? Yeah, absolutely. I would love for you to book. answer that question. <laughs> Buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's it. Listen, <laughs> as I have said on a, on a few occasions, I'm not saying owning this book means you're not racist. But what I am saying is, is it a risk or worth, like, is it worth taking this risk? <laughs> That is not an official line, just for the record. <laughs> so can we can we do a little peek behind the curtain? We were asked to, we did a, a, a press release and we were asked to come up with some quotes for the press release, like things that me and Jason are saying. Yeah. And so Jason was out and he goes, do you mind just doing this? So I sat down and wrote a whole bunch of quotes <laughs> and what <laughs> And I just said, all right, I'm sending them off. And I said, and I oh, wrote no. back in the email, I said, listen, Jason said I can choose whatever. So, you know, <laughs> it, it was so I like immediately response, regretted it. The response we got back was, hey, I like these two. Um, just for future reference, we can't threaten people for not buying the book. <laughs> <laughs> Any authors out there, maybe don't do that. <laughs> well, I don't, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I by the way. The joke was, but it was something along the lines of uh, it'd be a real shame if something happened to you because you didn't buy this book or something. <laughs> it's a real Chicago mob boss kind of thing. It's yeah, really like, menacing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Or they'd be like, okay, by the way. Uh, not we're not we're not doing that <laughs> we're not releasing that no, they said, and then there was another one and it was like um what was the other note they gave like i couldn't make like legal like threats or something like well both about threatening people it was the great funny. thing i mean the dumbest thing in the world is that the pr company they're adults they're grown-ups living in the world they asked a couple of comedians to come up with some quotes for a book and they expected us to give you know, honest yeah. and honest responses that weren't complete stupid jokes. So that's on them. Their fault. Should have known better. Victim blaming right there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you you asked me. You asked me to do this. That's yeah. your fault. 
I did <laughs> you should have known better. <laughs> exactly. Your fault but, that I'm inappropriate. Like, oh, now, <laughs> now the dog's upset. Yeah, you've got the dog all whipped up now. <laughs> Actually, you know what? If there is one thing, you just you just reminded me. So the advice to parents, I don't really have any advice to parents, except maybe a request. And this is purely, this is just a very self-indulgent thing, is we want to know which ones people because we never know we don't we can't a b test the each joke with entire audiences we really as comedians you go out there and you do material and then if you and then you tweak a word or a thing or you change it each time you do it with different audiences and you you test it and test it and test it we didn't get to test these jokes so Mm. i'm always so interested if there's like one that really jumps out and it's like that one just keeps popping up again and again it's like oh this one really hit a note with people like if there is one that jumps out in the book, like we do want to hear from you. So we do it like we're on social media and we have a website, you're not a real.com. So like, if there is one that like really jumps out, we always want to hear that stuff. We well, only really wait, want to feedback. Wait, we first. Okay. <laughs> I will get the email. Secondly, if, if yeah. you do have ideas on how to punch up my jokes, I'm, gonna, I'm <laughs> definitely going to need. Let's be clear. I am going to need a proof up. of purchase. I'm going to need a proof of purchase. <laughs> I don't want five star Amazon. Review, I don't want maybe. someone that follows me on Instagram being like, "Why don't you check? Why don't you buy a book?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god! We'll know I, I, I think I have both the the physical copy and the digital copy too. So mm. I'm all set. I like I like Excellent. the physical copy though because I like obviously like holding it, but it's it's you lose something if you're just swiping versus like you're turning. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. yeah, there's something about the tactile and seeing it, it was. all in one thing. Especially like Even, a book like this, yeah. I think your your yeah. guys' style for this series, it's kind of like you know like a children's book for adults almost. It's like like kind of like simpling, you know. I don't want to say you're 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 simping it down, but it's like you are like getting down to like the more authentic like pieces of yeah the, that experience and I, having kids and it's sometimes it's like yeah a cartoon paired with like a straightforward sentence and and you're just like yeah yeah that's exactly yep that happened two days ago like, it's yep. funny <laughs> you say that because i i think that one of the things is like the the way in which the illustrations are which i just love about it is that uh and i can say this because i can't draw a bath so i i and always in awe of Jason's ability to do this is it is a bit of a juxtaposition of reasonably kind of serious things at times. And then, you know, the, the image is uh, quite disarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think one, <laughs> well, one of one that just popped into my head, it's like, Oh, despite what, like what your child is doing, you're convinced it's like, and more intelligent than the average kid. And it's everyone. Like a, yeah. Everyone's the kid is, like, is going to go to like be in Mensa. Yeah, even yeah. even though they have a crayon in their nose right now. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Or they have the book upside down. Like, oh yeah. no, like, yeah, he like, knows he's doing that. Like, statistically, <laughs> they can't all be smart. I want to meet the parent that's like, God, I hope she can kick a ball because this is not. <laughs> there's even that level of arrogance of like not arrogance but like confidence in the kid where it's like they're reading the book upside down they're like yeah no no they can read upside down (laughs) they're doing it on purpose she's reading upside down at a sixth grade level (laughs) like oh she's gonna cook us dinner tomorrow like just you wait like (laughs) hope you've had your boosters (laughs) i know no that is i mean i i say that Whenever I say, because I was always surprised at like how 
quickly my two and a half year old and my the younger one is learning or picking up on things. But and I I'm like, I don't want to say that he's smarter than the average, you know, toddler. I think maybe he's just got that environment where he's watching so much, you know, where he's like picking it up from someone who's like almost eye level with him, where I think, you know, and the five the five year old, luckily, he he does a pretty good job of like being, you know, being a big a good big older brother until when he's not and he's just like there's then it gets physical and i'm like oh god okay like but then they'll hurt each other and i'm like you started it i'm i told you you guys mess around with each other you're gonna get hurt and now you're gonna like because like i can try to make them stop until i'm blue in the face but the the biggest i think teacher is like personal experience it's like yeah you're yeah your brother's gonna punch you in the face if you hit him with a remote <laughs> like it's I just that remember like, one of the first. Well. What? <laughs> well, I just remember when the first time it happens. I was like watching. I, I was like reading something, and I look up and I see my son's little fist hit my my infant's face because he was trying to take a remote from him, and he's saying, "No, Mason, don't play with that." And then he was screaming, said, "No." hit his older brother in the face and he got his older brother got pissed. And I just see that's when I caught in and he was winding up and I'm like, Oh my God, what stop? You can't punch your one-year-old brother in the face. I don't care what he's doing. Like you cannot (laughs) just, just to give a little insight to the listeners. We were on zoom. So I'm looking into Megan's house and just above her shoulder is a, uh, Beautiful cross-stitched, I don't know what you call that decoration, but it, it says, in this house, if you fuck oh, around, yeah. you find out. And I yeah. think that's <laughs> <laughs> It's our family motto. It's our mantra yeah. at this oh, point. <laughs> it's like, what? You know what? You're not going to do that again, are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do we need a reminder of what happened, you know, yesterday? Like... <laughs> I love it. That's the Um, next business here. This is after the books. We're going to make incredibly offensive cross stitches to put them on Etsy and make a million dollars. You got it. Yep. You got to patent that idea now. It's like a not suitable for work. (laughs) Just this beautifully done cross stitch. Just talk shit, get hit. My wife actually does cross stitches. That's how she relaxes. She does cross stitch. I've got a side hustle now. I'm going to build an Etsy store. There you go. snitches get stitches kind of works (laughs) yeah 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 perfect that's what you give to a snitch as a present because it's cross stitch (laughs) snitches get stitches there you go it's like an anonymous like flowery warning like (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's like here here's a gift i heard you you saying some things don't want to hear them again <laughs> it's like it's how it's how Chip and Joanna Gaines kind of get their patch in order. Oh my gosh! Um, okay, Scott Dooley and Jason Chatfield kind of touched on this upcoming mm-hmm. projects. Are you working on a series now? You're not yeah. a real whatever. So it, this is the first of four books. Uh, so well, four to begin with. Um, with the next one after you're not a real parent until is coming out in the fall. And it's called You're Not a Real Dog Owner Until. And then the one after that is in spring of 24 is going to be You're Not a Real Golfer Until. Because mm-hmm. uh, dads are hard to buy for. And um, <laughs> then the final one is the thing that started it all off in the first place, which was my comedy bit 
which is you're not a real New Yorker until because we've kind of already written that one. <laughs> we yeah. just got to draw it up now. Um, so we have, yeah, we have several in the works um, slated for release over the next sort of 18 to 24 months. And we have a lot of drawing and writing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so it, the, the, the website for all of it is you're not a real dot com. So as we have releases and cover reveals and all that kind of fun stuff, we'll and, put and it all up there. Despite that URL, it is a real dot com. So don't, <laughs> you're not a real dot com. It's funded by a dot org and it's kind of teasing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a slight, there's too much. There's, you guys make it too easy for yourselves, I think. <laughs> thank you guys so much that you know this was a nice long conversation um but it was so cool to like i said totally easy to to breeze through and it's it's real it's authentic it's heartfelt but it's also reassuring you know kind of like a letter to all parents like you know at the end of the day you're not alone this is very common and it's okay it's okay. Like what well, you're doing a great job, no matter what, like, and that's, that's whenever any, any people ask me, like, are oh, the only unsolicited advice I would say is to just like take one day at a time. And cause really like nobody knows shit. And like, I've got, I've got, you know, my five-year-old, two-year-old, they remind me every day that I still don't know shit. So it's okay. It's okay. It's reassuring. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I really had such a joy talking to you guys. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of these books play out. And, yeah, when, and if and when you guys come back, I expect two secrets from each of you. So I yeah. hope we, we would love to come back. And now I'm going to have to go and commit some crimes and make some secrets. We could make it really trashy. Like we could. Uh, the next episode, one of them will be circumcised. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Let's make each of these an episode of Dynasty. It's going to be great. Right or no? I'm just because I do have a dog owner too, and she's. Or I do have a dog owner. I am a dog owner also. Uh, she's going to be nine this year, so yeah, oh, I'm, I'm wow. interested to see where where you go with that as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm also a dog owner, so there's going to be plenty of material for that one. So yeah, you have more experience. More, you have more say. <laughs> you have more cred, street cred. Writing this, sure, <laughs> the next one, sure. <laughs> versus yeah. just going around and asking people, "What do you like? What do you hate about?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I have those poop bags in my pocket to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Scott Dooley, Jason Chatfield, you're not a real parent until it comes out on June 13th. Thank you guys so much, and like I said, I look forward to um, seeing what you guys come up with in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Megan. And there you go. That was Jason Chatfield and Scott Dooley. You're not a real parent until that comes out on June 13th. Go ahead and check out the show notes to find them on social media, find their website, and where to buy the book. Please rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. Check out the Facebook group. A lot of fun people there. A lot of fun memes. All that good stuff. Make sure that if you guys are looking for your next read to check out my book reviews on the nerdcantina.com. And if you do enjoy any of the books that you're checking out, go ahead and hop on to Goodreads and Amazon to rate them. It really does help the authors out. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening.